Hello and welcome back to the Outside the Cockpit podcast. My name is Sam Donzik. I'm joined by Julian Quintero. It's been a while since we've done these, done one of these episodes, but it is the right time because the 2023 Formula One season is just around the corner and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, how are you doing today, Julian? I'm having a good old time, Sam. You know, it has been a while. F1's back around the corner and uh, I know you and myself as well. And I know a couple of people as well. We're trying our best to cover more motorsport content uh, moving forward, be a bit more consistent with Formula One uploads and at the same time, uh, watch more of NASCAR, IndyCar and try to keep up in different aspects of the sporting world. For sure. So you want to stay tuned and follow us for sure, because we're going to be wanting to do that this season as well. But uh, let's start with preseason testing. Obviously, that took place this past weekend in Bahrain. And I mean, it was interesting to say the least it's preseason testing. You can't really take it with, you know, like a full grain of salt. It's like a half grain of salt. It's what it is. Um, what kind of were your, ta- what were your biggest takeaways from preseason testing based on the lap times um, that were po- kind of posted from the variety of, from, from all teams? I mean, as a whole, you can't really cover it because of the fact that, you know, testing and people go, Oh, take it with a grain of salt. But I'm more so surprised at, the statistics that we saw from that, I believe Formula One posted, they posted uh, the differences each team had from their fastest lap in testing around Bahrain last year compared to this year. Um, and every team lowered the time, depending on how much they did is, you know, down to each individual team. I saw Williams like dropped their time about like two and a half seconds. But the one that surprised me the most, which made me go, Oh my goodness, there's no way this happened. Alpha Tauri is the only team that ended up being slower this year than they were last year in testing, which yeah. is not a good sign for them considering that they lost Gasly. Uh, Nick DeVries is a talented driver, but it's still his first time in Formula One. And Yuki Sonoda, this is his third year. He really needs to take that next step up. Or if not, Red Bull's going to have, with the amount of drivers they have in the pipeline, they're going to be considering dropping him. So it's going to be really interesting to see for Alpha Tauri. I think my largest surprise wasn't the fact that they were towards the back. It's just the fact that they, compared to other teams, did not improve, so to say, from last year. And that is not a step you want to be taking, especially in Formula One. But then again, there are the rumors that Alpha Tauri is trying, like Red Bull's trying to sell their shares in Alpha Tauri and a new team coming in to replace them. So we'll just see how that ends up unfolding throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, for sure, like preseason testing, you look at it, you kind of look at it and see what the different times is like, you look at the times. And for me, I think the way that I look at preseason testing, the way that a lot of fans look at preseason testing is that if your team's doing well, you believe it because you're like, oh, wow, we're doing well. And it's, you know, we're looking solid for the season. If the team is struggling, like Mercedes was last year or Ferrari, whatever it is, you're struggling, like, ah, it's just preseason testing. It doesn't mean much, you know, wait till the come the season comes, you know, we'll be much faster. We're just saying, we're just, you know, taking it easy, that kind of thing. So I think that teams for fans look at it in two ways. They look at it in one way that like they can either be very positive or very negative towards their team based on kind of the performance of it. The way that I look at preseason testing is I say that, you know, regardless of where, kind of where your team is, it's, it's it gives you a good rough benchmark is that if your team is close to the front, roughly, then, you know, you're looking strong. The, the, the way that I also look at preseason testing is how many laps you complete and um, your durability within the, like, is the durability of the cars actually be able to run that many laps and not have issues. If you go without, you know, those three days and you don't have any stoppages during those three days, your liability is good. You know, you're running consistent, good laps. 
they're decent lap times. That's all I'm looking for in preseason testing versus, you know, running 20 good, amazing laps. And then that's all you get because your car is, you know, broken down or we have uh, hydraulic issues like how Mercedes had, or there was the Aston Martin that had uh, Felipe Dragovic, um, who was, I think the first morning he was, he was, he was the first, yeah, first morning preseason testing. His, uh, he brought up the red flags early on. So that's kind of what I say, if you want to add to that or. Uh, first and foremost, I want to make a retraction earlier. My statement for Alpha Tauri does remain the fact that they weren't one of the fastest teams out here in preseason testing and that they're looking to sell the team and everything. But the team that didn't gain time from last year wasn't them. It was actually Alpine. Yes, sir. Alpine. Yeah, yeah. Alpine. My yeah. apologies to people listening. I just want to put it out there ahead of time before someone <laughs> says these guys don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I just wanted to put it out there. But, <clears throat> What you mentioned about precinct testing is interesting because the way that I see it, it depends on where the team finished last year, I guess is the best way to say it. Because yeah. if Red Bull, Mercedes, or Ferrari, in my opinion, are like towards the bottom half of the timesheets, I'm like, oh, well, they're struggling through certain things, but this is not their actual pace. They're going to be fine. But yeah. if I see Aston Martin, for example, really performing, or I see Alpine, who in my opinion was not great or alpha tauri like dropping the ball I'm like hmm, these aren't teams that are at the front of the grid like this is probably more indicative of where they are while with teams that have a lot more money and funding and are the top three teams to put it frankly in red bull mercedes and ferrari like this is way more about how like th this is just them trying stuff out and what mm -hmm. you mentioned as well of durability in terms of total laps completed that is something that we need to obviously look at for each team. And to be honest, most of the teams did finish pretty close. And the only one that really throws up any red flags of durability would have to be McLaren and maybe even Alpine yeah. because they were, they really were lacking. Uh, Aston Martin had Aston Martin and Mercedes both had one particular issue that stopped them from running, but they were still able to get a good bit of laps in and were a lot more consistent. But Alpine and McLaren really did drop the ball. It felt like in terms of total laps completed, and for a team like McLaren, who has a rookie driver in Oscar Piastri, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see for them moving forward this year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, it's moving on over into the season predictions. Who do you have as your world drivers champion? We'll start with that, and then we'll go into the uh, constructors champion as well. Well, he did it in 21. He did it in 22, and I have him again doing it in 23. I think Max Verstappen three-peats as the Formula One world drivers champion. And to be honest, you can't really say anything against that. Sure, Sergio Perez looks really fast in testing, right, on the day that Max wasn't out there. But on the last day was when people were really trying to push it. And the fact that Max Verstappen on days where people weren't fully pushing it or anything still had times better than most cars. It, it says something not only about how good this Red Bull is, which we already expected, but Max Verstappen is, in my opinion at the moment, head and shoulders, the best driver on the grid. Um, no disrespect to any other driver on the grid. Lewis Hamilton is still a phenomenal driver, right? Charles Leclerc is fantastic. Sergio Perez is still a decent driver. George Russell, like, like I, the list goes on. There, like, in my opinion, at least on the grid, there isn't a driver that I can go like, oh, well, he's bad. Like compared to the grid, I think every team still has like good drivers, and they have, and I think this might be one of the most talented grids we've ever had. But the fact is, Max Verstappen is absolutely fantastic so far. In in we've seen so far this year, he was dominant last year. 
and he won a very close title fight in 2021. We're seeing him, um, obviously, he's entering the age where drivers are entering their prime. He's had so much experience of a, like a seasoned veteran. So you add those two factors together, he's really just starting to get things going. And I think unless Red Bull ends up having crazy reliability problems or someone is just significantly better than what we've seen already, uh, I don't think individually any car will uh, match up to Max Verstappen this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I can agree with that for sure. I'm going to pick as well. I, like, I'm agreeing with that as well. Like, Max Verstappen, for me, is going to win the World Drivers' Championship title again this year for the third straight time. And I think kind of my reasons are is that he's a generational talent. He's insanely quick. He knows how to push the car to the absolute limit and not bend it and not like yeah he for sure he's he's binned it before he's crashed before but he's learned that and then he's able to kind of take that experience of crashing the car previously and knowing where the fine line is and the limit of how much he can push that car towards a pole position or a race win and also consistently put in good laps we saw last year at the mexico grand prix from lap 27 to 72 71 i think it was mexico grand prix he was consistently putting on 122s lap after lap which is just absolutely insane to do again no disrespect like you said to any other driver but max Verstappen right now in this current moment is the best driver on the grid through and through all um and yeah i think the only way that he doesn't win this title is either there's another driver like maybe potentially a George Russell, um, a Carlos Sainz, a Charles Leclerc, or potentially even maybe Sergio Perez's teammate, but I highly doubt that, um, is able to challenge him for the title. I think the biggest threat that he faces right now, I'm going to say this, is George Russell, I'd say. George Russell is going to be the biggest threat. I think it's kind of a bit of a surprise, but I think that Mercedes may be potentially back this year. And I think George Russell, the car is suited more towards him versus Lewis Hamilton. I think he's looking really strong. And I think that he's going to come out and challenge Max Verstappen potentially, as well as Carlos Sainz or um, Charles Leclerc. As much as I'd say Lewis Hamilton is there, but also I think Lewis Hamilton's at a point where I think potentially, uh, I'm not saying he's fading, but it's kind. Of, I think he's hitting the point kind of where Vettel did in 2019, where he's gotten to a point where he's won so much and he's performed at such a high level that his body is starting to take a toll. And he's his ability actually. I'm not saying his ability as a driver has gone down, but I just think that the physical health of him overall, potentially uh, the mental health as well, is just is just hitting him harder a bit. Um, we saw it last year as well. You know, didn't collect a race win all season last year. George Russell was the only one to get it. George Russell outperformed him last year in his first season Mercedes. Um, so, but anyways, that's my pick for World Drivers Champion. So I'm gonna segue right off of that bit where you said who's gonna be challenging Max Verstappen. <clears throat> I'm gonna use that to go straight into my constructors <clears throat> champion pick. Okay. I think Mercedes is back, and I think they're gonna win the constructors title. Okay. Like I said, individually, I don't think anybody is going to challenge Max Verstappen. However, I do think Mercedes will be back this year, right? Lewis Hamilton's going to have a lot to prove this year. I think George Russell is going to keep improving. And sure, maybe George beats Lewis. Maybe Lewis beats George. It doesn't matter to me. I think right. those two are going to finish 2-3 in the World Drivers' Championship and mm -hmm. secure a Constructors' title for Mercedes. The Mercedes looks really good. 
obviously the fact that their uh, livery doesn't look that bad, but it's also the one maximizing the usage of carbon fiber. For sure. It really goes to show that they're going all in to try to make this their year. They looked rapid in testing. They both looked really good, both George and Lewis. They both seemed to like the car. Sure, there was a little fault at some point during um, the testing period, but the point remains for me. Lewis is out for blood and George wants to maintain being ahead of Lewis after beating yeah. him last year. There isn't a doubt in my mind that this year's championship is going to be a lot tighter than last year's. And it's going to show with the driver not being of the same team as the constructors champion. Okay. So you can see, you can see Max winning the, the driver's title, but then Mercedes as a whole will just kind of win the kind of like a, as it was in 21, right? Like how basically yeah. Sergio Perez, he, he he I mean he he had a he had a good season in 21 but it wasn't good enough to beat Valtteri and I think that realistically the only way that Sergio I think the reason why Sergio had the success that he did and the reason why Red Bull was able to kind of uh I guess say like secure the title like the 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 world the the constructors title was the fact that you know there was times where Max Verstappen was struggling a bit and I think that allowed then Sergio Perez to step up and win races and finish high in the results. I'm not saying it's going to be, and again, I kind of just, to disagree to properly to disagree, I'm going with Red Bull as my constructors championship. I think that Sergio Perez, as much as you think that potentially he might struggle this season, I think that actually he's going to have a really good season alongside Max Verstappen, and they're going to be able to really balance that a dynamic duo out potentially. And Sergio Perez understands his role. He's understand his role the past two seasons of where he kind of sits within the Red Bull hierarchy of how Max Verstappen's number one, Sergio Perez is number two. I think he's starting to accept, accept that role, like how Valtteri Bottas did at Mercedes. And I think that's kind of where we're, what my prediction is that the season and Sergio Perez is going to be that solid number two driver that's going to get second places that's going to get sold. Like he's going to, he's going to maintain the protection. He's going to be able to protect Max Verstappen from other drivers trying to peep in there as well, kind of like Valtteri did for Lewis. So that's kind of where I see his role being similar to um, a Valtteri Bottas. So I see you shaking your head. So you can you can you can counteract my point here uh, before we move on to um, the biggest surprise of the season. So the only reason why I say that is because, especially with how the end of last year went, I don't think Sergio is going to be racing for the team this year. Mm, yeah, you know that's a fair point. Be, that's a fair I point. Think yeah, he's going to be pushing for himself. Yeah. This year. And all love to Sergio. I still think he's going to have a good season. However, I just don't think the performance individually is going to be enough because at some point in the year, Red Bull is going to fully lean into supporting Max and it's going to affect Sergio. He's going to be very upset, I think, this year. And I'd be very happy for him. And obviously, Red Bull fans will be very, very happy to see him really just lean into the team play and everything. But with the way it seems Max and Sergio's relationship is starting to tread downhill potentially and the way last season ended i wouldn't be yeah it's a fair point to see mm-hmm. an explosion within red bull this year yeah it's really up in air up in arms of what will happen potentially throughout the season i mean because there's potential talk that obviously daniel ricardo being added on as the third reserve driver oh well lean loss and technically is the reserve driver but daniel ricardo is there and a lot of people are saying oh well if sergio perez isn't performing well or if he's like struggling in any way then they're like i don't think daniel ricardo is really gonna be the guy that's gonna step in just because like because daniel ricardo was never that guy with max verstappen we saw it back in you know 
a couple seasons ago, he was the opposite. He was the one that was challenging Max. And they're like, okay, we need to find him a different teammate. That's not going to challenge him as much because clearly, um, you know, Max and Red Bull are the type of team where like, we need a obedient teammate. That's going to sit there like a little lap dog and like, <laughs> and just listen to us and do as we say, and just, you know, put in solid second place finishes. Um, I think moving forward and f- throughout the rest of the F1 throughout like, you know, driver pairings, I think there's always going to be um, this necessary. I think in, in, in my opinion, I feel there is always going to be a number one driver in teams. There's going to be a number two driver that potentially may or may not be out there wholly. It might be not as blatant as the Lewis and Valtteri situation. I think that was a really odd situation where Valtteri Bottas really kind of took into that role and had to take into the role because of the team that it was, and they were really supporting Lewis. So like, I understand why they, they feel the same way. And obviously I don't think it was as bad as obviously what happened last year with, you know, in Brazil between uh, Sergio and Max, but I think it's still going to be interesting to see what happens throughout the season um, of kind of where the, ro- where the loyalties lie with Sergio Perez uh, and Red Bull. So, yeah. But let's move on over into the biggest surprise of the season. I'm going to start off. I'm going to say Fernando Alonso is my biggest surprise of the season. That's my prediction. I think he's going to come out of the gates flying. That Aston Martin was looking pretty strong in testing. He put in some good laps. Reliability looks good. I mean, they had one slight issue in testing, but again, it's just testing. So take it, you know, take it as it is. But I think tr- I truly think that this team looks really solid. And for once, you know, Fernando Alonso seemed to have made the right career move because Alpine was struggling or is struggling, obviously, after preseason testing. So, again, it's only preseason testing. If you look at it from that view of just through preseason testing, you'd say, okay, maybe, you know, Alpine is struggling. Fernando Alonso actually made a good career move. But my biggest surprise of the season is Fernando Alonso. Who is your pick for the biggest surprise of the season? Zhou Guan Yu. Okay. Look, I'm Alfa okay. Romeo's look good this year, and hopefully mm-hmm. they do back their drivers, fingers crossed, because they were amazing at the start of last year, weren't that great in the back half of the year. But even then, Guan Yu Zhou, he was putting in good performances at the end of last year. Same with Valtteri Bottas. And if we see this Alfa Romeo perform, most people are going to expect it to be from Valtteri's side of the pit box, which is fair, experienced driver, very talented. But I think Zhou Guan Yu is going to be the guy. Uh, for them he's going to really show that he has what it takes and i think he's going to really take a huge step up one thing a lot of people were forgot to really mention about joe when you were forgotten about him was that he was actually touted to be a big thing when he entered f2 he had uh, a deal potentially signed up with renault he was yeah. a, he was a driver that people were looking out for being oh he's going to be china's next um big drive and then people were really excited about it and then he raced an f2 and he struggled. He struggled very much in his first year. Mick Schumacher won the title that year. And all the talk went from, oh, Zhou Guan Yu is going to be in Formula 1 and everything, to people going, eh, I don't know if he's cut out for the sport. And then he had an okay season in F2, better than his first year in F2. And people were still like, eh, I don't know. And then he ended up signing with Alfa Romeo. And I remember myself, I came out and I said, oh, this is a pay driver. He's on here because he has sponsorship. He's going to be China's first driver. He's going to have the financial backing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he like, like that's why he's getting this C. I don't think it's because of his talent. And right. last year, honestly, he shut me up. He had a fantastic year. He was mm-hmm. phenomenal last year. In my opinion, had some very rough races, but most of it came down to reliability. 
uh, that one accident at the British Grand Prix that was not his fault whatsoever. Yeah. I feel like he had a very unlucky season. I think this year, if Zhou Guanyu keeps it clean, I think this Alfa Romeo is a really solid car. And I think they are going to be able to make noise and he's going to show people what he's truly really made of. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I think I think overall the team Alpha um Alpha Romeo look like a solid midfield team that could potentially finish P4, P5, maybe P5, I'd say the best uh in the constructor standings um and pick up some good prize money for the season and kind of slowly build towards um, you know, a potential uh, you know, top three in the next couple of years. Uh, now, obviously, one driver that has a lot of time, like you, you talked about, like you talked about Ganyu Show, but another driver that had a lot of hype that I kind of want to transition into the next thing is Lando Norris. Now, Lando Norris, obviously, he's been in F1 for a number of seasons since 2019. He's been with McLaren since the beginning, obviously. I think Lando Norris, he he seems to be the driver that like does okay throughout every season and just good enough that he gets by and i think that because of his youth they're like okay well we can't like you know um we can't like not sign him or like we're not gonna sign him somewhere else and we don't have any other options so i think he's kind of maintained his spot in f1 because of that i think this season is going to be a big disappointment for a lot of mclaren fans and himself as well i just don't see it being a great year for um the young driver so i just yeah and and, and really here's why because when you look at what's been reported so far from McLaren, obviously Zach Brown has come out and said that the MCL 60 is not where it wants to be. They do not, they are the, they kind of miss their targets for the winter. Again, it's only early on. They can make developments. They can make changes, but I think regardless, even if you make those changes, I just don't see Lando Norris being a driver. That's going to shock the world and is going to go win multiple races and potential, you know, um, a world driver's championship. I just don't see that being the case. In the current, like, even if McLaren gives him a really good car, I just don't know if Lando Norris has the quote-unquote it factor or that killer instinct that we see in other drivers right now that are competing at the winning races consistently. Um, You know, one example would be, you know, Charles Kula potentially, uh, Carlos Sainz, Max Verstappen um you know even george russell like george russell even as well like in a top mercedes that wasn't fantastic last season he was dragging that car to p5s a week after week after week so i think for lando norris when you're given a chance to be at a on a prestigious team like mclaren and not continue to put up decent results and again yeah you could say oh well it's the car it's the car it's like well how much is the car like when the car's struggling you can't blame the driver, but when the car is like when the fact that obviously both drivers were struggling last year, wasn't just him himself, but also Daniel Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo, no longer in F1 formally. Obviously, now they've been replaced by Oscar Piastri, which we'll, which we'll talk about as well soon when we transition to rookies. But that's kind of my take on Lando Norris and my biggest disappointment. Um, that's my prediction for where why he will be a big disappointment for the season. Oh. Well, before I get into who I think is going to be the most, like the largest disappointment, I do want to address Glenn Norris, the <clears> talented <throat> driver. But if he struggles this year because this McLaren isn't up to par, I could see Red Bull, Ferrari. Heck, if Lewis retires, Mercedes, I could see the big dogs really come sniffing around Lando Norris if Mercedes, if McLaren, my apologies, if McLaren doesn't give Lando the car that he deserves because you can tell he's starting to get a bit more frustrated with the team. He loves McLaren. He really wants to win with this team, but how much longer is it going to be all sunshine and lollipops 
for Lando Norris and someone else just in that conversation is Charles Leclerc. Like how much longer yeah. is he going to end up with Ferrari? So that's a fair point. Yeah. Two guys that I think might be on watch for most disappointment, most disappointing this year is Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc, but they don't, they both don't come close to the two guys that I have being the largest disappointments this year. And that is Alpine's entire team. <laughs> I think Pierre Gasly, I think Esteban Ocon, I think they're both going to have putrid seasons. Alpine is the only team on the grid, according to preseason testing so far, that did not improve on what they were doing last year. They were of the teams that were literally at the bottom of the timesheets. Sure, maybe they weren't doing quality laps, but regardless, they were still not at the top of the timesheets. S1 Alcon was the slowest car out of everyone. Yeah. Out testing. Pierre Gasly was beat out by the likes of Logan Sargent and Nick mm-hmm. DeVries and Felipe Drugovich, who's not even on the grid this year, it feels like. The point that I'm making is Alpine, I think, has completely dropped the ball this year. Maybe they focus on development for next year. Maybe they're hoping and they convince the drivers, look, we just wanted to seal both you guys here to be building a decent team. 2023 is not going to be our year. 2024, not. 2025, not really. But we're putting everything into 2026 and we want you guys here for like the engine change because i can imagine Re- uh, renault as a manufacturer making their own engine if they want to get the leg up look what mercedes did when we changed into the turbo hybrid era they threw everything into building an amazing engine and i could see renault because they have they have like, they have no customer cars on the grid they're not going to be funding anyone else on the grid yeah i could see them throw everything for 2026 but i think it's going to be affecting them this year and this might be a sign not to mention gasly and Ocon are not each other's number one fans i don't see gasly coming into a new team with a mentality to prove himself. I don't see him giving way for Ocon on team orders. And I don't think Ocon, who's been on this team for so long, is going to give way to Pierre Gasly. Oh, we, we saw what happened last year. We saw what happened last year with uh, Fernando Alonso. So. All I'm saying is Ocon has had issues with almost every single one of the teammates that he yep. had. He had issues with Paris. He had issues yep. with Alonso. When yep. he was in Marussia, he had issues with like Rio Harianto. This guy <laughs> is not exactly a team player. And I mean, he feels like he's earned the number one driver slot on this Alpine team. Fair play. He's been here for what, four years, give or take. He's been here for a while in F1 yeah. terms. So Gassi's coming in as an upstart trying to make the team his. Ocon feels like the team is deserved to him. And with a car that doesn't seem to be performing and two drivers that will not be helping each other to maximize the best performances for the team, I think Alpine is going to be putrid this year. I do not expect good things from this team. I'll be very surprised if they do and good for them. Um, But I do not think things are going to go their way and i think they're going to be at the back half of the grid mm, yeah i mean i can see that for sure i think them potentially maybe i'd say other than williams haas looks okay and i'd say alfa Romeo is be above them as well but i'd say potentially mclaren could be at the bottom as well because they weren't looking fantastic in testing either so um for sure. Speaking of, we talked about Felipe Drevic, we talked about Logan Sargent, we also talked about Nick DeVries and Oscar Piastri. Let's talk about the rookies of the season. Now, Fli- I've mentioned Felipe Drogovic. Obviously, he's not an official rookie of the season, but potentially he could be starting this week, uh, obviously, because Lance Stroll has injured 
himself on a bicycle accident. So unfortunately, he will be out for the first race of the season. Potentially still not yet to be announced that whether or not Felipe Dragovic will be starting or not. But let's first start with Logan Sargent. Obviously, Logan Sargent, American, back in F1. And obviously coming off a pretty solid F2 career, what are your thoughts on kind of the overall rookie class as a whole for this uh, 2023 season? I honestly think it's pretty nice. I, I'm honestly enjoying this class. Oscar Piastri, he's dominated every part of motorsport that he's been in. A rising star, someone that I really like. And now he is racing for McLaren. He's, he's having some pretty... In terms of performance at McLaren, not big shoes, but in terms of name brand, he has some big shoes to fill with uh, replacing Daniel Ricciardo. He's going to be partnered with Lando Norris on a McLaren that, you know, we're not fully expecting a ton of them, it seems like. It seems like they might have dropped the ball this year. So it feels like he might have his back against the wall, but if there's one thing that Piastri has done is excel in all situations, he's had the best car uh, going through and he's demonstrated that he's amazing he's had no issues with adapting the question is is he ready for formula one and i think the answer is yes i don't think he's going to be as dominant obviously compared to how he was in lower formula but i still think he's going to put together a decent season uh so look out for him in that aspect logan Sargent, man i love this williams team sure i don't think they're going to be contending for a title anytime soon it feels like or anything like mm. that but i think they're going to bring a fight into the midfield logan Sargent is the first american driver with three usgps he's going to have a lot of backing by the american crowd albon is a fantastic driver he showed it last year and he's going to show it again this year and i think this williams despite not going not I, they're still going to be towards the back half of the grid quite frankly yeah um, for sure but they're making huge strides compared to where they were last year and hopefully their issues with sponsorships and internal issues with the realton capital won't derail this team because they have two young good drivers they have a car that is on an upswing and i think with a grid as close as it seems to be this year i think they might have some fun i think logan Sargent is going to be the best rookie this year i think he's going to be the best one through and through uh nick devries i think he's going to put together a good season but i'm going to keep this frank i don't think alpha terry has a car that's going to keep him relevant this season and felipe mm-hmm. drogovic Oh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk about your thoughts on the rookies, and then uh, once we get into hot takes, I'll I'll give my further opinions about Felipe Drogovic. Okay. Just a little for you guys. I mean, yeah, I was just looking up Logan Sargent's F2 stats, and it's always funny the fact that you always notice that the F2 driver who wins who wins F2 doesn't always get the F1C. Felipe Drogovic won Formula Two last season by a large margin, 102 points, if I'm not mistaken. It was dominant last year. Yeah, 265 to 164 is the difference between him and Theo, Theo uh, Porcher. And then Liam Lawson came in at 149, and Logan Sargent was fourth at 148. Um, obviously, we can talk days and hours about you know the amount of how cash is king in Formula 1. It doesn't matter where you finish. If you can get back in, if you can get sponsorship, if you're an F1 drive, you're American driver, and F1's clearly pandering towards the American North American market. So Logan Sargent is a good pickup for Williams. We're like, okay, also, we can have a huge amount of marketing done in the United States with Logan Sargent and a, a mass amount of marketing opportunity. But as an overall driver, I honestly think that Oscar Piastri, I mean, is in terms of like, I, I really like this rookie class between Sergeant Pastry and Nick DeVries. I think Piastri will be the best rookie out of the three. I understand that potentially, yeah, McLaren's not going to give an amazing car, but I think they're going to give him a best car out of the three. But I think based on it's how they can perform with that car, I think Piastri is going to be able to perform the best and get the most out of the car between the three of them. 
as much as I love Nick DeVries and Nick DeVries coming from Formula E, coming from past Formula 2 as well, winning the Formula uh, E championship with Mercedes, you know, um, it's a different sport, different kind of type of motorsport. We're getting still regardless of champion. Uh, I, overall, I think that Piastri is going to be the one that's going to, he's won everything under the sun, like you've mentioned before. 1F2, 1F3 in his first seasons, you know, kind of should have got to see last year, didn't unfortunately. Um, now is his chance in F1 to prove it. And I think that this is the year for him as well to potentially continue to not, I'd say win, but just can score points consistently and stay on pace with Lando Norris to prove that he can keep up with, you know, a great driver like Lando Norris, but also prove that potentially, I mean, a lot of fans will say this, but that Daniel Ricciardo wasn't the issue, that kind of thing. And it was mostly the car, but also the fact that he's just a rookie driver. He's performing well um, because we've seen other rookie drivers that have come in that have like unsuccessfully kind of failed uh, Mick Schumacher being the latest one potentially is that, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him to, to, to succeed his father's name. So I think Piastri is going to face a different type of pressure where it's going to be the winning pressure for him. It's going to be the fact that he needs to be like, okay, you're coming in a winner for formula two and for formula three. Can you keep it up? Can you keep up consistent score point finishes, you know, finishing high rate uh, Logan Sargent, you know, He's going to be a great driver. I can see him for sure, you know, getting in maybe P15, P16, P17s each week. Unless Williams comes out with an absolute, like, rocket ship. And, you know, they're just, like, sandbagging to the max in pre-season. And they just come out the first race and they just get pole position or something like that. Something crazy like that. But that's what I say to that. Um, but you can share your thoughts when we now move on to hot takes on your thought about Felipe Dragovic. Please well, share. I have, I have three hot takes. Three hot takes? Go ahead. Three hot takes. And I, the, the, the milder one is Russell beats Hamilton again. Well, this Mercedes is going to be good. It, people can see it happening, but I see a mm -hmm. lot of people saying that Hamilton's fully going to step back into prime form. I still think Russell is going to be challenging him quite a bit towards the front, but they're for sure, yeah. respectful for each other. I don't fully want to explain further because I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. My, my two largest hot takes. Number one, Felipe Dragovic will replace Lance Stroll this year. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's all. That's all. Daddy, daddy's money. I understand <laughs> that fully, but let's look at it this way. Aston Martin is starting to become Aston Martin. It's no longer ruled solely by Lawrence Stroll. Sure, he's helping out with the team a lot. But Aston Martin is starting to get a lot more involved with this project as the car gets better. You have a guy like Fernando Alonso who is extremely talented. And sure, Lance Stroll isn't exactly um, like a rookie and super young, but he isn't old either. He, If he's not performing this year, but Drogovic, who had some solid times in, in uh, what's it called, in testing. Mm -hmm. If he comes out and, and this car truly is the real deal. And Drogovic comes out first week, maybe second week of the season. He's coming out swinging, and Alonso's coming out swinging. The team's performing, and then they swap in Stroll, and Stroll starts dropping the ball or making mistakes that he still hasn't learned from. I rate Lance Stroll as a solid driver, but if Drogovic is performing, I could honestly see the higher-ups at Aston Martin going, you know what? We're benching Lance. Lance, <laughs> all love to you. Felipe, 1F2, he's performing right now. And yeah. give it to the hot hand. I could definitely see that happening. The last time I remember something like this. Sorry. Something like this kind of happening. If I remember correctly, the year, I think it was 2006, 2007. Uh, Toro Rosso. Because they had, if I remember correctly, three drivers in like Vitantonio Liuzzi, uh, Christian Clean, 
and oh, they had another driver as well. But they were it was a rotating door where they would yeah. decide each week who were the two drivers <laughs> racing for them. I don't think it's going to be as extreme as that. But I do think if Drogovic comes out swinging to start off this year and Stroll on his return is not performing, I could definitely see Aston Martin saying, you know what? We want to improve further. We want to try to win the championship. Fernando's not going to be here for long. And that would, I think a lot of people would be really surprised, which is why it's on my hot takes. It's not the most likely, but I want to be the person to come out here and say, I called it if it ends up happening, because quite frankly, I do rate Felipe Drogovic as a driver. We haven't really had a Brazilian driver, so to say on the grid, it feels like in a while. Um, So I think, I think it would just be a really interesting move. My other hot take, I think Alfa Romeo beats McLaren in the Constructors' Championship. Ooh, okay. That was also big, but McLaren have dropped the ball. They doesn't seem like they have a super quick car. It doesn't seem like they're reliable. And I think they have the best driver out of both teams in, Lance, in Lando Norris. However, you're dealing with a rookie. You're dealing with a car that's probably going to be a diva, and you're pro- you might might end up with Lando Norris feeling disgruntled at some point this season. McLaren are going to do their best to try and improve this car, which is why this is obviously under a hot take. But Alfa Romeo looks good. And if Alfa Romeo doesn't just pull the plug out of nowhere and like pulls the rug underneath from their drivers, I think Joe, as I mentioned, he's going to be amazing this year. And I think Valtteri Bottas is a good enough driver to keep any team afloat. And I think he has something to prove now that he's feeling a lot more laid back. He's just trying to race for fun and everything. I think them, them, that combination is going to be a lot better than a rookie coming into the sport, potentially having to you know deal with the growing pains, a driver that might end up growing disgruntled with a team and a car that does not seem to be reliable this year. Okay. I think I've, I've I've got a couple – I wrote down about four hot takes. I think some of them are pretty common um, or not really hot takes, but I'm going to take away two of them and this is my two big hot takes. I'm going to say Fernando Alonso is going to win a race this year. That's my biggest hot prediction. And that's a hot take, sir, hot take. So Fernando Alonso and that Aston Martin is going to win a race somehow. We're going to have one weekend where there's going to be like – I don't know if it's like Italy 2020 where there's going to be a massive car pileup or whatever the case may be, but Fernando Alonso is going to win a race somehow. So Somehow. That's my number one take. Hot take. Number two is going to be Mercedes is going to win at least, least five races this season. Five races this season. Now, I know you say you have them winning the constructors. I have Red Bull winning, obviously, because Red Bull is going to overall win. But I think they'll at least win five races this season at a minimum, um, whether if that's just a double podiums, you know, one, two finishes. But I think at least five race wins will be done by Mercedes because we saw one last year, multiple podiums, but obviously I think, you know, Max's domination of winning multiple races in a row, whether if that's him or Sergio Perez is going to kind of come to an end for a small period. And I'm, I hope honestly, as much as I say like, Oh yeah, for sure. Like Max, win, all I want is just a competitive year. Like that's what we want as fans. We want, you know, multiple race winners, but realistically we're not going to maybe not get that. We could maybe if we're lucky enough, get maybe, you know, three drivers, winning a couple of races like you know between Max Verstappen, George Russell, maybe Lewis Hamilton or Charles Leclerc or maybe Sergio Perez winning a couple of races like between four like if we can have like four to five drivers just you know like a rotating circus of drivers just kind of win races would be nice because then it would allow for a tighter championship race but again realistically I don't think that's going to happen I think yeah number one Fernando Alonso is going to win a race don't know what race it's going to be and Mercedes will win at least five races this season five races being those five races will probably be the the tracks that they cater towards the most uh, one of those being, of course, Spain, 
potentially. Now, oh, we will, and one that we could talk about as well is the new uh, the changes to the Catalina Catalina circuit as well. So potentially, what are thoughts on that? But again, we could uh, save that for later. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on my hot takes? What do you think? Is that do you think that's I, feasible? I do think they're relatively feasible. Yeah, um, not, I'm not really gonna say much else on that, but I do think that like your hot takes were pretty pretty solid. I feel like some of them might happen. Obviously, <laughs> in Formula One, you never know. I, yeah. Obviously, this year, especially a year into the rule changes, you can just be like, oh, okay, like. You know, we're going to know Red Bull's going to be at the front and Mercedes is going to be at the front and Ferrari's going to be at the yeah. front. Like, we yeah. know that. No team yeah. is going to just jump out and be like, whoa, what? Alfa Romeo is the champion. <laughs> like, no one's going to, no one's expecting that. No one's expecting yeah. a random team to hop up, especially after a year already under these rule changes and everything. However, I do think, because some of your hot takes were dealing with the top teams against the top teams. I think, I think they definitely all have a chance to be happening. Yeah, for sure. I think I think your hot takes are. I mean, the the Felipe <laughs> Dragovich field man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, the Felipe Dragovich and Lance Stroll one. I can see that happening. I just wonder what Lawrence Stroll Lawrence Stroll will do. Whether the fact will he turn against his own son and say, "Listen, it's been great, but I I also need to worry about it." Because at the end of the day, like he has a major stake in Aston Martin, and Aston Martin may like, "Listen, you are no longer benefiting the company. Like you are no longer acting in the company's interests." And at the end of the day, Formula One is all about money and making money as a brand, as a company is making. Yeah. And if they're not succeeding, then they're not getting big prize money, and then they're gonna they're gonna continue. Like I'm just saying, like if Lawrence Stroll potentially, I'm not saying he's gonna run the team into the ground, but like. You know, I'm just. I feel I'm just like Lawrence Stroll. Force, Force India. Here. Just saying, Force India. No, or, no, well, think, no, actually, think, sorry, Force India. So racing points or racing point. Yeah, I think Lawrence Stroll at some point this season is going to look in the mirror and go, Lance, my boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, like, uh, if if you've read of of, uh, of mice of men when uh, they take him out back, like, look at the flowers. <laughs> like, that's gonna be Lawrence to Lance at some point. Because, like I said, Lance Stroll's a decent driver. He's not, like, I think he's F1 quality. I just don't think in the direction that Aston Martin's going, where they want to strive to win championships, I don't think Lance Stroll's even close to being at that level. No, no. Lance, Lance Stroll's so, right now. Lance Stroll's out of Williams right now. He's at, he's out of Williams. I'm sorry. He's back down to Williams. Like, maybe, maybe, point, maybe, 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 like, you know, maybe who knows, yeah. but like at some point, Lauren Stroll's gonna have to look on paper and go, he's gonna reach a crossroads. Yeah, Aston Martin's gonna put him in a crossroads and be like, Lawrence, we want to bring in Felipe Drogovic or Lawrence. Uh, McLaren has dropped the ball with Lando Norris, we want him to partner yeah. with Lando Alonso next year. Yeah, like who knows, mm-hmm. but I feel like at some point this year, Aston Martin's gonna sit down and go, Lawrence. We need to have a conversation about Lance. Yeah. And especially with Lance coming back from injury, I do think it might end up being sooner rather than later. Who knows? For sure. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Outside the Cockpit podcast. My name has been Sam Donzig, also joined joined by the wonderful, always wonderful Julian Contero. And we'll be definitely posting more consistent content. You guys definitely want to be following this weekend, us on the socials, Outside the Cockpit and the Intermission Sports uh, for some more motorsport-related content that's going to be posted over the coming weeks and throughout the season as well. Peace.